official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Just, I want to apologize in advance for anybody that I hugged and made uncomfortable today um, because I've been doing a lot of that um, ever since I got vaccinated a few months ago. And so I apologize for invading your personal space. But um, before I dive into um, this topic of Jehovah Shema, which means the Lord is present, the Lord is there, um, I just want to say that um, this past year, I mean, I think everybody says this when they go to speak about how crazy the past year has been. And one thing that really stands out to me about this name of God is I can sincerely say that me and my family have never felt, felt alone this past year. Right? We haven't. And, 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 you know, and I've shared this with Adam and Ian and Abby and some of the worship team is that if you had told me pre-pandemic, right, that you could disband a church from meeting in person, right, have to go virtual backyard, all this stuff, played hide and go seek church, right? And that there would be this sense of like oneness and unity and family and togetherness. I would have said that will take a miracle of the Holy Spirit for that to happen. And so um, I can just say like, it's good, so good to see people in person. But I really do think that, that um, if you don't hear anything else, I think that it's really important just for us to recognize that many of us have experienced this not as some like hope-filled future, but actually the very real um, present reality of what God has blessed us with. And then many times that has been through the body of Christ, like our spiritual family, just being present with us. And um, Adam mentioned, I'm the director of a new place. Don't worry, I'm not going to go on like a 20-minute spill about that. Um, I'm just going to say this is like, you know, Last year, because of a lot of things happened in the community, um, we've had to expand a lot. Um, and not all things that we wanted to do, just things we needed to do. I'm, I'm just gonna say that, like, you know, opening new facilities and stuff, like, I have to admit, I wish we could decrease, like, a lot of what we're doing. And that's just being honest with you. But there are a lot of people, um, some of you I've sat next to um, in some of our breakout groups, um, I know Church of the Well supports us financially. I know many of you have done that too. I don't like out you during like the services or anything, but I just kind of know who does, right? And I just want to say thank you. And also just like side note, um, I was at a house meeting at our 89 North Street facility and I said something about us reopening like our, our uh, evening meals with meal providers and unsolicited somebody brought up Church at the Well and whoever made enchiladas, right? So I don't know who you are, but whoever made enchiladas, like sometime during the winter, like you're an ongoing God story in a couple of our God, a couple of our guests, you know, minds, right? They're like, hey, when are those enchilada people coming back, right? So I'm just saying, I don't know your name. You can come up to me afterwards and tell me I'm the, tell you tell me that you're the enchilada person. Um, so I'm gonna dive into this whole topic, um, this name of God. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is present, the Lord is there. And I want to start with this thought that might sound like kind of counterintuitive um, when we're talking about God being present or God being there with us. And it's this myth 
that I think at some time, if we're gonna like follow Jesus or kind of embrace faith, that we have to work through. And it's this myth that good things, no, now hold on to this, don't worry. I'm not gonna like burst everybody's bubble completely this morning. But this myth that good things happen to good people. Right? I just want to say that. Like, there are some places you can go to on a Sunday morning where people are going to tell you is that the sum of your actions, good or bad, is going to determine your daily and weekly experience in this life. But I think if we're all going to be really honest with ourselves this morning, is we can all in our minds right now probably think of a really good person we know or maybe even a really good group of people we know who have encountered significant tragedy and trials. I would go so far to say this, in fact, some of the best people I know, I mean, you can fill in whatever, whatever adjective you want to, spiritual, righteous, holy, right? Some of the best people I know have walked through some of the most overwhelmingly difficult circumstances. And one of the things I love about the Bible and this is actually what gives me a lot of confidence in Scripture, is that the Bible does not shy away from this idea. In fact, Scripture embraces it head on. Several weeks ago, Pastor Ian was, was speaking from the book of Job, and he mentioned this, is that the book of Job is the oldest book of the Bible. Now, if you don't know what the book of Job is, sometimes just in your own time, just read the first two chapters and you'll get like a pretty good idea, right, of where it's heading. But what that means is that even before the books of Genesis and Exodus were written, is that this story of Job was the first story that was being passed around to give people an idea of like, hey, this is how life works. This is like how, you know, it looks like to live a life of faith. And I just want to read to you like the first sentence from it. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz who was, whose name was Job, Job. And that man was blameless and upright one who feared God and turned away from evil. Right? It gives you that picture. It gives you that context, right? That here's a guy, if you were to rank everybody in his community that was good, right? Job is one of the best. And what it tells us over the next couple of chapters is this, is that Job was incredibly blessed with significant wealth, a large close-knit family. And the first two chapters go on to describe how and I don't know how to deal with what I'm about to say, but it's just how it depicts it, is that God allows Satan to test Job. His family is attacked by a mob. The rest of his family dies in what looks like a tornado. Um, then Job becomes sick and covered with sores. His remaining family members and friends turn into pious snobs and jerks, right? And so it's just like him and like sackcloth, right? I mean, the Bible describes this. He's like scraping his sores with pottery, right? And, I, and, and um, sackcloth. Not, not, not like, you know, I'm just going to say, that's not exactly how I would like anticipate the first two chapters of scripture that were ever written being passed around. Then if you fast forward, right, to the end of the Bible, there's this book called Revelation. And it gives this radically different picture. It gives this vision in the last couple chapters of this new heaven and a new earth where God dwells with his people, where the Lord is present. Jehovah Shema is a reality. It gives a picture where there's nothing that is hindering us from experiencing the presence of God. There's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no mourning, there's no sin, there's no temptation. It's just us 
as God's family experiencing his presence together, experiencing his glory together. And there's a, there's a scripture in your handout from a book called Ezekiel. I'm not gonna go through the book of Ezekiel, but I'll just say this. As he's a prophet ministering to a small group of people who are in exile and captivity, they're literally refugees. He talks about a lot of stuff there, but he closes his writing with his prophecy looking towards the end, the new heaven and new earth. And he says, the name of that city from that time on shall be, the Lord is there. He's letting them know, hey, there's a time that you can look forward to, to know that you're going to be able to experience God's unadulterated presence. You're going to be able to experience his glory regardless of what you're going through in the present. And so we live in this tension. And I just want to make sure we don't miss this. This is a tension that I really believe the weight of scripture tells us to embrace and not to avoid. Right? Like I think sometimes it's like it's, it's a tough thing to deal with. Um, I would say depending on the day, sometimes it's one of the fortunate. Some days it's one of the unfortunate things about my job, right? I'm mean, just going to say, like, I don't get to shy away from it. It's like even like, you know, I might go paddle boarding with my kids today and forget about it. But tomorrow morning, like it or not, this tension is something I'm going to have to walk back into. And I just want to ask you to do this. Take a moment right now. And I want you to imagine just 30 seconds, a moment or season in your life where you experience the presence of God. Just think about it for a second. I'm, I'm gonna shut up for 30 seconds. A moment or season in your life where you re- recall, I tangibly experience the presence of God. I, I give you a few off of my list. Of course, I've had few weeks to prepare, right? Not just 30 seconds. Um, Marriage altar. When Kristen said yes to being my wife, right? It wasn't really a God moment that I said yes to her, but she said yes to being with me. Yeah, that was was miraculous, right? I won that day. (laughs) Um, When I held each of my three kids for the first time, right? I, I... Pray, we prayed for each of them, right? And it's like there was a, there was a moment where like God was present in that. Um, I can remember in, it's like 2004, Chris and I were praying about transplanting our lives from suburban Atlanta to urban New Jersey. And we were in a minivan outside of a bus station, right? A train station. And experienced the presence of God that says, this is gonna be home for a while, right? These, these are moments that like God's presence was undeniable. But there's also other times where I can remember God's presence showing up in places I didn't expect. In an open-air church located in the shanties and slums of Guatemala City, where a group of people with nothing are praying and worshiping God and talking about how they can go further in to minister in that shanty village, not how they can get out, right? In a cancer ward where there's a dying mom telling your children goodbye. God is present. Sitting with a persecuted pastor from Angola who's been separated from his family for five years, right? But yet, God is present in that moment. But I think, like, and I debate whether to get so personal with it, but my own personal, like, I would say, like, this is when, when God's presence was real in the most unexpected way. Is I can go back in my mind to my junior year of high school. I was 16, 17 years old. Um, 
you know, doing what 16, 17 year olds doing, like thinking about like whether I'm gonna get a prom date that year or whatever, you know, there's always a 50-50 chance. Actually, closer to 25% chance, but you know. Um, and my mom comes home from a routine doctor visit, right? And a follow-up visit, and sits down with us and lets us know that she has been diagnosed with a terminal blood disease called thrombocytosis. Like that's not, I'm just gonna tell you, it's not something a 16, 17 year old like thinking about, right? And I remember like how weird it was because like the nearest person, we're living in Atlanta, the nearest person with the same disease to my mom lived in Florida, right? So it's like a little bit like when she was talking to people, it was a little bit of a stretch to find people and medical research was just starting. And I remember at the same time, one of my friends I grew up with, his mom had been diagnosed with terminal cancer, which is just brutal, right? And they were, they were a family of faith. And I remember like how something just totally miraculous happened in their life, right? Like his, his mom, and I've only seen this happen a handful of times in my life, gets miraculously healed, and then in her 40s, has two surprise pregnancies, right? Like, just a way of God saying, like, hey, I didn't just heal you a little bit. I healed you a lot. And so, like, I'm seeing this, and I'm having this contrast, and, like, you know, I'm sitting in chemistry class talking to my friend Brian about what's happening with his mom, right? And I'm thinking, God, you're going to do the same thing for me, right? And there's been probably seven, eight times in my life, honestly, where I could have sensed the Holy Spirit of God speaking to me. I'm not like one of these people that like, I, I don't, God does not speak to me like the prophet Isaiah, where it's like every week I have this great word, right? It's like, I'd say like nine, maybe 10 times in my whole life, right? Where it's been like, God clearly through his Holy Spirit said, bam. I remember praying as a 17 year old and the Holy Spirit saying this to me, is that I'm not going to kill your mom, but you're gonna be okay. I'm going to be with you in this. Well, fortunately, in a few weeks, my mom's visiting, right? And medical technology um, caught up, and she has survived thrombocytosis. This is no kidding when I say this. Spinal meningitis and cancer, right? I don't know. I don't know. Like, any one of those three could do it. Could do it. Um, yet there she is, right? And still walking in faith and still God giving her strength. And I think this scripture from David in Psalm 139 that he wrote as a praise song to God probably describes best what it looks for people to experience the presence of God in this tension. He writes, where can I go from your spirit? And this is right in your handout. You can read it yourself. Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. What we literally saying is, even if I'm going through hell on earth, guess what? You're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. David goes on, he looks backward in his life, 
It says, even when I was in the womb, you knew me. It goes up, it says, looking forward, all the days of my life are written out as a book, like my future. You're already there, God, in your present. And this is the thing that, like, as I think back, and I get one of the fortunate things is my mom still has this blood disease, right? One day she'll probably die from it. That's, that's reality. So we get to talk through this, like, you know, and it's, it's special. And I think about that mom in the cancer ward. I think about that church in Guatemala City. I think about that persecuted pastor, right? And one thing that was true for all of them is this, is they recognized God's presence and activity even in the darkness. And so that's my prayer as we go into breakout groups this morning. I'm going to pass the baton to Adam. Is that God would just reopen our eyes to his activity regardless of what season we're in right now. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 